0: Hello everyone. I'm here for one of my stories. This is Lindsay Dunn. And today I'm here with a very special guest to talk about the Fast and the Furious franchise. Yes, the entire saga is true. And joining me today is Chris Kirkman, also known as Dice Hate Me. Chris, thank you for being here today. Not everyone who listens to me, all two of my subscribers, may not know who you are even though they may have seen you pop up in my twitter feed from time to time so why don't you introduce yourself and let us let people know who you are and what you're all about
1: well as you mentioned, my name is Chris Kirkman and uh, primarily I, I run, or at least uh, co-own the greater, greater Than Games, but also founded, as you can see in my background here, back in 2011, Dice Hate Me Games. I also have a board game evangelism blog called, called Dice Hate Me. That's at dicehateme.com. And so I cover board games, uh, You know, we have a podcast called The State of Games where we talk about board games and board game community and board game life. We also, um, since I co own a board game publishing company and greater than games, we also publish games uh, like Spirit Island and Medium. Some of my Dice Hate Me titles like New Bedford and Brewcrafters and things like that. Um, On the other side of what I do is I also teach. I teach graphic design and journalism at UNC Chapel Hill at the Husband School. So I lead a dual life, you know, board game publisher and reviewer by day you know unc professor by uh actually i'd probably reverse that although i do teach at night so maybe i should say I teach at night and i do board game publishing in the day so that that's suitable anyway that's me in a nutshell i also happen to uh with full you know journalists we like to have full transparency here i also kind of date the host uh so people should probably know that
0: there's no nepotism going on here <laughs> at all well i don't know <laughs> We're here today to talk about the Fast and Furious franchise, and you might be wondering why we're doing that, or maybe you're not, but (laughs) the reason being that F9 is coming out this weekend after many, many years of this. I guess we figured out it's about 20 years. um, Yep, 20
1: years. 2001 was when it was released, yeah.
0: Okay, so we have been preparing for this movie release. So, Chris, why don't you explain to the audience in what way we've been preparing?
1: So, you had a weird idea uh, back in, I guess it was probably even April. You were like, you know, Fast 9 is coming out and you haven't seen all of the Fast Saga. So, you were like, um, do you have the movies? And I have most of the movies, but, you know, I was like, it gives me a chance to buy the entire series digitally, so why not? But we already had Fast, already had original Fast and Furious. Uh, the first movie. So uh, we decided we were going to do each week, uh, weekend leading up to F9 for eight weeks. We'd watch each of the individual movies. So we started with the original, the you know, the Fast and the Furious in the 2001 release um, here at the house. Uh, we made a, uh, you know, a cocktail which is called the Charger, uh, for obvious reasons. Anybody who is not familiar with the franchise, uh, the 1970 Dodge Charger RT is the uh, iconic car uh, that Dom usually drives, so Dom Toretto. Uh, So I made the Charger, and uh, we sat back and we, uh, we drank up the Charger and watched the first movie here at the house. I'll get back to the Charger here in a minute. Um, but then, for whatever reason, the next week you discovered that the local theater, the Silver Spot, was actually going to each week release uh, the films from Too Fast, Too Furious, the second one, all the way to F8, which we just watched, um, each week leading up to F9 for free. As long as you logged in time and got your tickets for free, you could come on Friday night, because that's what we've been doing. Um it's uh, been pretty cool because the, you know, uh, we didn't get to see the first one on the big screen, but we've seen uh, the other seven on the big screen and it's been, it's been great. I mean, that, that theater is fantastic anyway, you know, great big cushy chairs. We have, we can get drinks, not the charger. Well, though they probably make the charger if we ask them. We have not done that so far. So that's how we're watching and why we've done this. I don't know wh- why you had decided to do it. I've loved it. Um, but that's, that's the story.
0: All right, so you mentioned the Charger. Why don't you go ahead and tell people how to make that? Because they may (laughs) want to celebrate on their own uh, before nine, whether, you know, when they're watching it at the theater or, you know, for home release later.
1: Mm -hmm. So to make the Charger, you're going to need dark rum. I recommend probably Kraken. Kraken is one of my go-tos for rums. Um, You're also going to need some cherry brandy. Sometimes it's a little harder to find, but you can uh, find those usually in the cordials. Uh, and then you'll need uh, sugar. You can also use simple syrup if you want to, but I think that muddled regular sugar is probably a little better. And you'll need some lemon juice. So you're going to pour uh, one and a half ounces of rum uh, and a half ounce of cherry brandy, the sugar, and the lemon juice. Put them all together in ice cubes in a shaker. Give those a good shake and then s- strain into a cocktail glass. It's just that easy. And it's pretty delicious. It's, uh, it's a very simple recipe, and I don't know how I came across this, like, forever ago but you know it's fun
0: i can say i think it was pretty tasty and if you loved drinking cough syrup as a kid you are probably going to love it
1: (laughs) it does taste a little like cough syrup
0: (laughs) it it definitely has a strong cherry vibe but i enjoyed that i like cherries now we are going to get into the movies that is the main reason we are here but we've also been celebrating especially you chris i will say you've been really celebrating the release of the movies in a couple different ways. So why don't you start with your game, the game? The and game. Yes.
1: Hey, so um, this was released, uh, I guess, right about the t- same time we started watching the movies. It's been a couple of couple of months. This is by Funko, um, dev- designed by Prospero Hall, but it is Fast and Furious Highway Heist. I don't know how much people will be able to see in the back of the box, but you can see a little bit of layouts has tons of different miniatures in it and essentially what you're doing is uh assembling a team you get to put a team member inside of a car and they have special abilities the cars have special abilities and um then you try to do different scenarios this is the actual uh semi heist that we have not done yet this is the middle one the middle uh, difficulty we did the tank takedown which was in i guess Fast and Furious 6, we're going to spoil a little bit, we're jumping ahead a little bit, but Fast and Furious 6, this is Owen Shaw, he's in the tank, and so we're trying to take down the tank like in that movie. And it's really cool, it's a lot of fun, it's a cooperative game, which means that you play uh, together against the the game itself, the system of the game, and you can do crazy stunts, Um, you can jump off your car onto other vehicles, because of course, in Fast and Furious, you never stay in your car. Um, you got to be jumping onto like tanks and trucks and SUVs and things. You can try to hijack SUVs. You can run SUVs into the tank. You can, it's just, it's cool. It's a lot of fun. So I recommend anybody out there who likes board games, but also cooperative games. We had a blast with this one because it feels like the movie. And when we played our first time, we played, uh, I was Brian O'Connor driving the uh, American Muscle. And you were playing as Han, driving the uh, foreign import, I I believe. Import racer. So, import racer, yeah. So, you can choose to be Brian, Dom, Letty, Han, Roman, or Tej. Uh, And then you can combine them with four different cars and mix and match powers and things like that. So, I highly recommend this game. It's a blast. I've I've been wanting to actually record a solo playthrough of it um, for my channel for quite a while. Maybe I can do that tomorrow. That would be awesome if I could, because I'd like to get it out. Is you know synergy because we're going to release F nine on Friday, so I can release mine like on Thursday. You know, get a little bit, a little bit of views there. So anyway, that's what we've been doing.
0: And you can buy the game at Target. Is that correct?
1: Target, Target got it first. I don't think this one in particular is a Target exclusive. I think it's actually offered. Uh, you can get it on Amazon and other places, but Target was the first one to carry it. But yeah, they've got it. They've got it in stock.
0: And one more show and tell. There. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Your birthday gift. Uh, birthday gift. And how long did it take you to put that together? I can't remember.
1: Three days, uh, I would estimate probably <laughs> 10 plus hours of build time, and it's it's super cool. So here, I'm going to roll the, I don't know how many people can see this, but I'm going to roll the, the wheels. But you can see, oh, I can't do it. I'm going to have to do them at the same time. So if I do the wheels, you can see that the chain on the engine turns. Uh, you can control the steering from the back. It has a wheelie bar so you Mm -hmm. can be you know anyway it's it's nerdy but it's cool
0: it has a nos tank it has a nos tank it does
1: dom's got some nos in the trunk (laughs) and just in case the nos gets a little crazy it also has a fire extinguisher
0: (laughs) that's important fire is very important
1: safety safety (laughs) Safety. Safety first (laughs) never use nos without a fire extinguisher
0: (laughs) Yeah, the the stunts in these movies are dangerous. Everyone, in casey.
1: Oh, by the way, that's this is what's hilarious. There's always the disclaimer before any movie, but uh, in the board game, on the inside, when you open the inside, it actually has the same disclaimer that they put in the movies. Do mm-hmm. not try these attempt. Do not attempt these stunts at home, which I thought was a, a nice touch.
0: Yeah. and fun or not fun trivia fact: the reason those disclaimers are we're in is because after the first movie came out, people decided that they could be like DOM.
1: Street racers, exactly. <laughs> and yeah.
0: they could not. And people got hurt. <laughs> so you had they had to make that with those warnings for the rest of every movie since. So um Lesson learned, everyone. Just because you saw it in the movie, said, doesn't mean you should be trying it out.
1: Right. Just like if you watch Jackass, don't try those things. <laughs> they got very hurt doing a lot of the Jackass stunts, and these are even worse. So,
0: How has the experience been for you going back and watching the movies over again leading up to Nine?
1: Well, so for me, it's been interesting because... Um, you know, I've, I've been a fan ever since the original The Fast and the Furious. I saw that in the theater twice. Uh, I've probably seen that movie at least 20 times uh, since then. And, you know, so I haven't seen every single uh, one of the movies in the theater, which is shocking. But I've seen most of them. I think I missed six in the theater, if I recall correctly. And I do not believe I saw Tokyo Drift in the theater either. But I could be wrong about that. Uh, But it's been cool because I've been able to watch them in succession in enough time where I didn't have to binge them over a couple of days. It's kind of cool to have a little bit of a week's introspection to the next one. And uh, seeing it on the big screen has been awesome because, you know, it brings back memories of going to see the original and and loving that, Too Fast, Too Furious, and seeing the progression of the characters. And, like, even tonight when I was pulling some audio clips from some of the different movies, like, even – I know we just watched it, like, what? eight weeks ago, whatever, the Fast and Furious original 2001, but everybody looks so young <laughs> and it's just insane, even like, so what's funny too is you, you'll hear it in um, you'll hear it in um, Vin Diesel's voice his voice gets deeper and deeper and deeper the further along he goes into the series and the first one, when he's in the garage talking to uh, Brian Connor, Paul Walker, about the car he and his dad built, which is the, the famous line from that of course is this one
0: I live my life a quarter mile at a time. For those 10 seconds or less, I'm free.
1: So anyway, uh, but you can even tell like from that, he's not as deep and gravelly as later in what he does. So he's got this little bit of a, a more innocent tone to his voice in the first one. So it's been cool to watch the progression of these characters and of course see them age and yeah, it's been, been cool. It's been it's been a very fun experience. I'm glad you suggested doing it. It's also given us something to do on Friday nights besides sitting around and watch each other grow. So,
0: it might be in his contract, you know, that he has his voice has to get deeper. It
1: has to get deeper and deeper. <laughs>
0: <laughs> because I think we, he
1: got. Go ahead.
0: We have learned that there's a lot of stipulations in in Vin Diesel's contract, you know. So maybe one of the rules to he. Set up is that in every movie my voice will get deeper and deeper I need and a deeper. coach to help me do that.
1: <laughs> well, he's he's also he got a lot of that practice playing Groot, so um, in serious or Furious Seven and Eight, you kind of tell he's starting to get down into those little registers a lot, which is awesome. But you know that's so here. Here's another one. This one's from I believe Five, and so you can tell the difference between that tone and what he says here. I don't have friends. <laughs> I got family. <laughs> <laughs> Right, i know right you can hear it he's like growling
0: (laughs) you're able to like you said follow this path from like okay they start it starts so simply with these these two guys and then over time it just grows and grows and they're merging their two kind of groups or their friends into one pack and evolving all of them and then as you escalate- Into
1: international super spies.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So maybe I'll just read the description that I created because this is one sure. of the things I like to do. So this is a dis- short description of the entire saga so far. Dom, a street racer and small-time crook, and Brian, an undercover police officer, form an unbreakable bond over their mutual love of fast cars and the thrill of the chase. Over the course of eight films, they collect a band of random people from their lives into a chosen family that perform an increasingly elaborate series of heist crimes, rescue missions, and the like. Over time, their status rises from small-time crooks to international super spies, able to thwart the toughest adversaries and needed by The Rock. Along (laughs) (laughs) Along the way, they defy gravity, drink a lot of Coronas, and wreak havoc and destruction on entire cities, and a whole lot of cars.
1: a whole lot of cars, it makes me sad every time I see one get destroyed too. Those are beautiful cars, and we only have so many of them.
0: And they work on them, they work on them for hours and hours just to have them fly off of a bridge.
1: Yep, it's sickening, but these things happen.
0: But you can always replace a car, right? But you can't replace you can't, you, family.
1: You can't replace family. That's right. That's what Dom would say. <laughs> <laughs> he proves that in six when he runs his Dodge Daytona into the into the side of a bridge and, and jumps 50 feet in the air to catch Letty. She's diving toward the intersection. Anyway, yeah, he wrecks that beautiful Daytona. And there's only a few of those left in the world.
0: That's what it's. The plot, that's what it's kind of about, but that's not why people like these movies. You know, you've been a longtime fan, Chris, so what do you think are the major appeals of the series that the fans really latch on to?
1: Well, I think its it comes down to the characters, really. I mean, uh, they do some ridiculous stuff in later films, but most of the time you relate to them. So... I think that people, I mean, obviously, the, the, the original draw of the first movie was cool cars and street racing, like it. Especially in 2001, it was a big, big deal. There was a lot of import racers on the, on the, uh, on the circuits, especially in L.A. and some of the, uh, the bigger cities that had sprawling highways and things. So um, that was kind of the appeal. Uh, you know, the original one also had that kind of, you know, it, it drew, drew people in. I, I mean, I, this is the obvious low-hanging fruit, but it is point break with cars, really, is what it is. And recently, you hadn't seen Point Break. And when we were at the beach, you watched Point Break. You didn't enjoy Point Break very much. I mean, there's a lot of quotable stuff for me growing up having watched that. But, you know, watching Point Break and then seeing Fast and Furious and seeing how well Fast and Furious has done uh, and the longevity over time, it all comes down to the characters uh, and, you know, the cool cars, lots of action. It just gives you everything you want. It doesn't take itself too seriously. Um, The first one actually has some. Pretty good acting chops in it. I mean, a lot of people are going to laugh about that because you know Paul Walker's always Paul Walker. But when that scene where Dom's telling the story about his dad and with the with the charger, I mean, he's actually he's doing a good job. Ben's, uh, you know, a pretty good actor. He's been on some other things besides Fast and Furious, obviously, and he really channels something uh, soft and touching in that scene. So I think it's mostly like these likable characters that become family, uh, and then you got lots of cool cars. And a mix of modern imports plus uh, you know classic cars. And I'm more of a, I'm a more American muscle classic car kind of guy, but I like seeing all the different ones. It was funny watching Rome in the last one out on the ice in a Lamborghini, which is like ridiculous that he even chose that car. But um, it's just cool. And I think that's really the longevity of the franchise has been that these people do feel like family and um, they're doing really crazy, cool stuff.
0: The scripts for these films, are much better than Point Break, I feel. (laughs) Yeah, but I
1: mean, honestly, the first movie really is Point Break with cars. It really is, but it is better. It is a far better script than than Point Break. That's
0: a great, I mean, I think that's a great hook, but I feel like you said, it doesn't take itself too seriously, yet the characters never make it seem silly either. They do find the heart in the story especially Vin Diesel. And, and every, one of the things I noticed is every movie has a big speech moment where somebody has a heart to heart, you know, there's, there's Han and Sean, you know, on the, on the building and Han talks about why he, you know, let him help him, even though he destroyed his car. (laughs) Um, And then there's the moment with, that you're referring to but every movie has this sort of the big speech you know and brian you know brian and rome roman have that in the movie so every moment has at least one heart to heart where they sit down and those moments are touching they they feel authentic and that the characters you know care about each other so i think i think that's something point break didn't have. <laughs>
1: No, it doesn't. And Point Break is, uh, to be honest with you, it's completely ridiculous. I mean, you know, think about The Fast and Furious. It's pretty ridiculous too, but it's actually more believable than a bunch of surfers or bank robbers. And that Keanu Reeves uh, just- Dressed
0: up as presidents.
1: Yeah, exactly. They're the, the ex-presidents robbing banks. I mean, it's, it's a completely over-the-top idea, but I do think that The Fast and Furious is a more understated film. And I think because of that, it resonates with people more. Um, and it gives you more of that base. You're talking about big speeches. Here's one.
0: What are you smiling about? Dude, I almost had you. You never had you. never had your car. Oh. <laughs>
1: so there's lots of, like you said, little moments where, especially between Brian and Dom, where they have these exchanges and it's always great. And I think that's one of the things, the endearing portions of the, the series is, is um, you know, those, those moments. So you're right.
0: For me, a few of the appeals you didn't mention are Michelle Rodriguez. <laughs> <laughs> fighting and being a street rat, and I think they they figured out a way to use her well in these in these later movies. They're like Michelle Rodriguez is just going to kick some ass, you know. <laughs> and
1: her fight with Gina Carano in Six is brutal. I mean, it is just like you're right. It's street rat. is these street fighting, and it's amazing that nobody got hurt in <laughs> these these things.
0: And the street rat will will win every time. And even in the last movie on the submarine, like she is getting beat up by that dude, that, that huge man. <laughs> but somehow she figures out a way to use her wiles. Pull it out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's awesome. I also feel like this the, the movie's adapted over time with kind of different things, like they added in parkour. And I love parkour.
1: <laughs> well, they had two with Jason Statham.
0: Yeah, but Paul Walker did did some too at the. That's the, true. The Rio de Janeiro scenes on the roof. Uh, yeah, Jason Statham. They had to have him doing gymnastic things. But um, the set pieces of these movies are are fantastic. They really capture the sense of a place. They have these buildings and they they kind of get real with the people in of different cultures and kind of show what those lives are I mean, like outside you gotta of. have
1: the you gotta have the obvious b-roll of all the women's butts from different countries too so that's the you know <laughs> yeah know.
0: well we're gonna put that's gonna go in our section about things i annoy get annoyed about <laughs> <laughs> I
1: figured i figured that would come up a little bit later yeah
0: <laughs> speaking of different cultures just these movies had casual diversity before it was cool you know, from the very beginning, you we had people of all skin colors mixing together, falling in love, um, acting as family. So this this was this was ahead of its time in that way.
1: It's also ahead of its time for uh, the post credit scenes before the MCU made them uh, the most popular things ever. Just like Fast and Furious, quite often had a good post credit scene.
0: How many of the movies had a post credit scene? Because now I'm not remembering that. <laughs>
1: it's like four of them do. Four, four, maybe five.
0: What are your top three films of the franchise and why?
1: Uh, this it's a hard question. Because it's like, I mean, I'm, I know my, number one is, is Fast Five. Fast Five is my favorite of the series. Because I'm a big, like, heist junkie. Uh, I like movies about heists, and uh, this one has one of the most over the top heists ever. And it's hilarious because um, there's a, a series on Screen Rant right, done by Ryan George, which I think I sent you a I- link to one of them, but you will be talking about this weekend. But he does a, a pitch meeting for movies and he kind of makes fun of them, but he does it in a reverent, reverent way. But fast five is ridiculous because like yeah, there's 30 minutes where they're practicing their their turns in all these cars because they have to get through the get into the police station to this guy, this uh mobster, uh his money. And it's it's in this corrupt police police station and it's like a bunker. And so they're they're thirty spending 30 minutes like getting all these cars, tweaking them, trying to get them, you know, like under 10 seconds so they can get past the cameras as much as possible they can. And then they just say, okay, not going to work. 30 minutes of the movie is about this. And I'm like, it's cool because we're watching them try to beat the clock and beat the clock. Uh, but it eventually needs, leads to nothing, which is a rare thing that you see in movies where are just like, eh, we're just going to spend 30 minutes doing nothing. It doesn't even to make a difference. Then they decide, well, we're just going to break in with police cars and hook up chains to the, to the vault and drag it out the front door. And that's what they do. Uh, not very subtle, but... Pretty awesome, and they managed to tear up most of Rio in the in the process. So, but fast. Fires, this,
0: they started with this like intricate plot, and then they yeah. ended up being like, and they're like, we're taking a bank vault through the streets.
1: Yeah, we're just gonna drag this giant, you know, ten-ton uh, safe through the streets, killing cars and running through buildings and destroying everything. It's just ridiculous, but it's awesome too. And it's also the first movie where the whole team got together, um, like fast. Number four, Fast and Furious, is probably my second um, favorite because it, it goes back to its roots, but it also has some really cool interactions between Brian and Dom, um, some good action and some good heart. But five is my favorite because it introduces it gets rolling back in the picture and Tej back in the picture. We pick up Giselle, who was in four. Uh, that's Gal Gadot or Gal Gadot. Um, so she joins the team and Han is part of the team. So everybody kind of comes together to become, you know, basically the, the international super spies that they are in today. But that's the start they got in five. My third favorite, I'm probably going to say Too Fast Too Furious. A lot of people are going to be laughing at me for that. But I love that movie. I just had a blast with that movie. Um, when it first came out, I was living in South Florida. Like, No, I had lived in South Florida. I was in D.C. I think at the time when Two Fast Two Furious came out. But having already spent four and a half years in South Florida, that South Florida vibe that they had made a lot of sense. And just Paul Walker and Tyrese's chemistry in that whole movie. There's just a bromance and a half between those two. It's hilarious. And uh, Paul Paul's Paul's my boy. Like he's Brian O'Connor is my favorite character in the series. So anytime he's there and it's really you know being the centerpiece for it all is a winner for me. So I think that. Probably Too Fast is probably my third favorite.
0: Yeah, let's talk about Too Fast, Too Furious, because
1: Mm -hmm. I guess a lot of
0: people feel like that is the weakest. But when I went back through my notes, I saw that I liked two better than one, and I had said that for some of the same reasons. It is the last movie where Roman is actually cool, because they decided for some reason to turn him into a whiny complainer the rest of the series. He has two, his
1: one moment in eight where he shoots yeah. the Russians down but yeah other than that he's just the comic relief.
0: He's comic relief but in two his chemistry with with Paul Walker, uh, Brian was great and the two of them were were funny and the ac- the action was great. Um, you had the the street the racing was filmed better in two mm-hmm. but because I think, you know, after the first movie, they probably got more money to make numbers. Yeah,
1: I think so too. Yeah.
0: And so they could really lean into the special effects and particularly the, the opening race, the sound design on that with the cars zooming past. You could really hear the engine and feel uh, almost feel it running past your arm hair, you know, and some of those scenes where they got up really close and personal. So yeah, I think I think two is good. And so. And
1: then it gives you interesting, it gives you cool moments. Because Roman always has great catchphrases, but.
0: You got something to eat up in there? We hungry.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Roman is always eating. <clears throat> he and Han both, which I think is. And, and one of the mo- the funniest parts, I think, is it's six. I think it's six, where he and Han have to go do something. And Han is, like, eating stuff. And, and Roman's reaching in the bag and eating stuff, too. Both of them are just eating constantly. But, like, Roman's he just, like, Tyrese just imbues, like, this one. <laughs> Hey, <laughs> real funny, Fonzie. <laughs> so just anytime, you know, he's on screen and, you know, just cracking. He's just cracking. He has the best, like, the best one-liners. They're really fun. Mm-hmm. So that's why Too Fast is fun for
0: me. Yeah, there is, I will say, Too has one of the most awful lines of the whole series. You're a good driver. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> I didn't pull that sound clip, but I probably should have.
0: Yeah, that uh, it was just absolutely horrible. It's like the two, the two uh, henchmen, they're car- they're carrying around says that to mm. Roman. You're a good driver. It's like
1: you're a good driver.
0: Yeah, you're exactly. not a good actor.
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> For me, well, you know, I mm. love loved Fast and Furious, Tokyo Drift. I didn't put these in in particular order, but. I enjoyed that movie. You and
1: Very one cool. other person in the entire world, TC Petty, I'm like <laughs> like Tokyo Griff. but
0: well, dang, yeah. we should have had TC on so he could <laughs> gang up on you. <laughs> but um, it you know it has a lot of Han in it, okay? So that's, that's I know awesome. how you feel about Han, and yeah. he's he's a great character. He's he's the softer, you know, not softer, but he's quieter. You know, Dom is so ah, uh, you know, and then there's brian with his major athleticism and and han is cool but a lot of times he's just sitting on the side eating his corn nuts or whatever it is that he (laughs) he's doing and that's i think that's why he ends up getting giselle you know and landing her because that's i mean
1: yeah getting some gal dough. that's that (laughs) takes a lot
0: (laughs) he doesn't really feel a need to dominate the room i i like someone like that. So that's that's cool that that they had him. And also the setting, being in Tokyo and drift racing, That's it's just a neat subculture that you wouldn't have had otherwise. So that it brought in different driving styles. So I think that that was, it just gave the whole thing a different flavor. I also have four as one of my top three just because it brought everybody back together. And it has a, a lot of quiet moments that maybe are undervalued, but there's like a little family meal with Mia, Brian, and Dom all together, and they, and it's sort of a reunion for Dom and Brian, and, and uh, Mia is saying the the prayer, and she says, thank you for family, and she just squeezes both of their hand, and that's when, that's sort of when Dom and Brian get merged for real, I think. So it's
1: after Dom kicks Brian's butt because he finds out that he was the one who put Letty in the place to get murdered. But you know, I mean, you gotta have a little bit of family squabble.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's that's what that's the essence of family, right? You fight yeah. and then you make up. Right. Um, it also is hilarious in four how throughout the movie Brian and Dom both keep telling each other, get out of here, Brian, get out of here, get out of here, because they're like I'll take this. I'll handle this. You go away and then nope, yeah. they come back to to help each other out cuz they just can't <clears throat> leave it. These two are always going to be one-upping each other and making sure that they do their part. So. Yep. And then for my third, I put 6 because
1: 6. You,
0: you like 5 and a lot of people do say that's the strongest of the series, the highest, but in 6, the team is you know, in five, the team came together, did this heist. In six, it's established and set up. So they're ready to go and you focus on more on the chemistry and this perfect thing being uh, being put together. So um, things six. ran very smoothly. So if you had to pick one film, not Hobbs and Shaw, since that's sort of a side thing, we all not know that.
1: I wouldn't kick that one. That one's fun.
0: Uh, yeah, well.
1: And it has Vanessa okay. Kirby.
0: <laughs> so if you had to pick one to kick out what would you choose? What's the well
1: the obvious one that it's kind of low-hanging fruit again it's I feel bad doing it, it's Tokyo Drift. I mean you know it's I, I like Tokyo Drift it's still it's you know it's a it's an amusing movie it's such a different departure from everything it does have Han and I like Han a lot um I mean spoiler alert he dies in that one but you know for until he died it was a really good movie Lucas Black is just not a good actor. <laughs> he's, he's grown a lot. He's grown a lot since that movie. Um, and I'm, I'll be interested to see how he iterates with F9, because apparently he's in F9. So, I think for him, probably Tokyo Drift. But if I had to go with a backup, it would be F8. Um, like I told you, I mean, this is no secret, but I do not like theorem. Theron. Uh, she is just... She's great it's on my nerves. Uh, and she definitely does that in 8. And I think 8 also has... Like I said, it kind of loses its, its path a little. It has a meandering storyline. You don't quite know where it goes. You've got this irredeemable villain in Charlize Theron as Cipher, and it's just um, it doesn't have the heart, and also it doesn't have Paul Walker. So neither does Tokyo Drift. So the two movies that don't have Paul Walker <laughs> out of there,
0: even though Eight does end with a fantastic, uh, you know, Dom coming back to the fold. That yeah. is. That is wonderful when he comes drives down the hill and the music it's pretty exciting um and yeah the this the chase on the ice was good but i but i agree it would be it would be eight it i just didn't i feel like they didn't really know what to do with the story after yeah. paul uh left left the crew so they brought you know they leaned into the Hobbs and Shaw thing and had them fighting, which is fine. But then you also have Tej and Roman fighting, bickering back and forth. So it's just a big bicker set.
1: It was a lot of bickering in that movie for sure. Lots yeah. of
0: bickering. Yeah. And just just not as interesting. And yeah, Charlie's Theron her character, I, I don't dislike her like you do, but her character was not good as a villain. I'm not I'm not sure why they had her in dreadlocks. I'm not it sure. Was
1: very, uh, well, at least it's a better haircut than in, in F9. So.
0: Maybe it's a wig. Maybe it's a wig. May, and... Well, I'm sure
1: they were extensions. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so at what moment do you remember gravity not working correctly <laughs> in, the, in the movie? Like, what was the first moment you noticed that?
1: I like that uh, question that you had. I, I put down in here on my notes, there's probably a time in Too Fast, Too Furious when Rome and Brian jumped that A69 Camaro onto the boat. Um,
0: yeah, that's
1: about the time when I was like, Yep, we're just throwing physics right out the window here. And uh, but it's still a great moment. Uh, but the
0: angle wasn't was the uh, launch angle,
1: it it was all off, it was all completely (laughs) off. I was like, This is a jump that even the Duke boys couldn't pull off, but it was totally out of like, you know, Dukes of Hazzard. It was hilarious. Um, it was a good way to end the movie, though. Mm
0: -hmm. I noticed, I feel like the first weird thing I noticed was when uh, in 4 at the beginning and Domrest you know rescues Letty and he's like Letty I've got you and she jumps onto the hood of the car and he la- grabs her hand and I was like no she would have fallen off she would have fallen off but that is you know with these moments we do realize that physics are not working correctly in these movies and that's okay we are going to accept that no matter how ridiculous is the concept we are going to go with it and recognize that no matter well, how many times Dom crashes his car, he's not going to have a scratch, um, etc. Cetera, etc.
1: Cetera. Well, I mean, it's like people can just as readily accept Captain America's Shield and it doesn't obey the laws of physics either, which is funny too. And this is a tangent, but it's funny because like Spider Man re- references that in Civil War, he's like, That thing doesn't obey the laws of things at all, you know, so <laughs> at least they recognize it. But you know, these movies they're just for fun. I mean, that's why they're not taking themselves so seriously. And I think that's part of, the, part of the fun factor of them is you're like thinking, there's no way they can pull that off, but they still did and it looked cool. So <laughs> do this every time. Here's another sample one of my favorites, Suppose actually there is uh, on YouTube, which is hilarious, there's the Too uh, Fast, Two Faster Curious Bro Edition. And it has nothing but Paul Walker and Tyrese uh, doing bro and bruh at each other. But watch this, bro. Every time just bro there's like 18,000 bros in that movie bro and bruh and bra
0: I thought you were gonna oh. keep going with that
1: <laughs> I can't that was I, a, very,
0: I, a very short excerpt
1: it wasn't very I always just need to have a bro in here somewhere there's I, I could have done the entire thing which is like 10 minutes long uh, go look it up on YouTube and it's it's actually hilarious
0: I will I will say that did drive me nuts <laughs> the second movie was just like bra oh. bra brah, brah, yeah. bro the whole bruh movie and you you said well that's that's florida or that's i forget what you said (laughs) it was the
1: time it was the time it was shot it was 2003 when that movie came out and that was just like yeah that was pretty much the 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 culture the bro culture and every other word was bro and bra and bruh
0: so let's talk about the characters so pick your three mvp characters And we'll see who we have left over that we (laughs) might still throw a bone to. um, So, well, if I had
1: to take if I had to take a team, it would be Dom, Brian, and Letty. I mean, that's just it's an easy pick for me because I mean I'm not I'm I'm definitely putting my man Bullet on there because you know Brian's Brian's my guy. Um, You have to have Dom because I mean he's Dom. Uh, He's also the best. I I, I won't say he's the best driver. I'll say he's the best driver according to uh, the movie series, but. Um, I think that, like, you know, he's just – he's a linchpin. And so you got to have him. And I would have Letty around, like you said, for her street ratness Uh, in case you need to get down and dirty. And she's just good at scrapping and surviving. And um, I think those three would probably be my, my MVP picks. I mean, I love all the other characters too. Uh, but, I mean, Ro- I even love Roman. But in the later movies, I'm not bringing him on my team because, <laughs> it's like, I don't know what he – Except for his smooth talkingness, I don't know what he brings to, to the party.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I have Han, because... Naturally. <laughs> because it's Han. <laughs> but also, what was the... When we played the game, Han was the best at control, wasn't control. it?
1: Control, from- yes. Yeah, uh, vehicular he's got, control. They got his character card while you're doing that. Go ahead.
0: Okay, so yes, yeah, so we did when we played the game. We had Brian with his major athleticism and Han with his control of the vehicle, probably because his of his drift racing background. So
1: yeah, he has um, major control. There's Han. He has major <laughs> control. Uh, he has special abilities. Outmaneuver. Nobody will know what this means, but whenever you take a drive action after you end your movement, you may swap positions with adjacent enemy SUV. That was cool
0: because yeah. you could
1: drive up next to an enemy SUV. And move them around however you wanted to.
0: Mm-hmm. So I think he is definitely a a valuable player. Also, Tej, he can drive, and he also has a lot of skills with tech that are all otherworldly
1: tech. Yeah, tech <laughs> skills. Yeah,
0: he he got that from his background in street racing. Somehow,
1: <laughs> running run a garage for street racers, he knows how to hack mainframes. Absolutely, yeah.
0: yeah. but you need someone like that. You can't just have drivers um, when you when you do the when you pull these international <laughs> operations together. I also threw in Giselle because not only is she a, a talented driver, but she can distract people when needed, and she is <laughs> able to use that. <laughs> To her advantage in several movies. So she has she has some stealth um, that, that other people lack.
1: Yeah, so that leaves us with poor little Roman left out in the rain. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I mean, there, there's Roman, all right. So I mean, and he was cool in the second movie, and he, he, he was great was,
1: in the second movie, yeah.
0: But the, that's just how they, they chose to use him for his comic relief um we also have ramsey who's a good a good partner for Tej in in the tech thing the two of them can do amazing things together in fact mr nobody says watch these two
1: yeah watch you see they got skills
0: (laughs) (laughs) but who else is we you know in the first movie we had jesse Mm -hmm. who got killed well he got killed let's not talk about that just yet (laughs)
1: No, he was a ma- he was a magician as a mechanic. He was a
0: master mechanic, wasn't he? He um, said it,
1: Dom called him the wizard.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, you know, uh, in the movie. So yeah, I mean there was Jesse, there's Vincent, which Vin yeah, Vin's Vin. He's a hot hand. Ah,
0: yeah. Um, uh,
1: who else can, do we have?
0: You know, Mia. Mia is we people forget about her. They think about her as just Brian's girl later, but she could drive. Mm-hmm.
1: She could drive. <laughs> she helped take the bus down when they rescued dom Mm -hmm. at the end of four beginning of five yeah so there's me and i'm thinking there's not really well i mean there's the rock i mean we can't you know he's hobbs he's part of the team now too Mm -hmm. um he would definitely be an asset uh in most instances when you need to like for instance shoot a minigun in a helicopter uh, I don't or know if you need else. someone
0: to catch you as you fall from a building.
1: True. Yes, you'll fall four stories onto a car and only break your arm and leg, and then you're fine.
0: He's yeah. very dedicated.
1: <laughs> he very Daddy's got to
0: go to work. You should have <laughs> used that.
1: <laughs> I should have. I, I meant to pick up a, a rock quote, but I didn't. I didn't. Sorry.
0: We've talked about the, the series and the fast cars. But the series also has heart. So, what are some touching moments that really got you right here in the chest?
1: <laughs> uh, Brian wanting to cut the, ask Mia to cut the crust off his tuna fish sandwich. That was touching because <laughs> 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 it's so like Brian is such a kid when he, he's it's a such a bright-eyed, bright eyed, you know, blue eyed wonderkind, uh, He's so innocent. But the one that always gets me, and you saw this, was the end of seven. Like, you know, after Paul passed, um, they do the whole tribute thing for him at the end of seven and you can see everybody trying to, you know, say, say goodbye. And it's very, I mean, it's super touching because everybody was like, you know, they filmed it after it all happened and had to be, you know, the, the, uh, the bookend for that particular series. Um, and I just, it just gets me like every time I never not cry (laughs) at the end of seven, so that's, that's one of my big touching moments. So there's, like you mentioned before, another touching moment is like in Fast Fast and Furious, the fourth one, when they're sitting at the table, it's Dom and Brian and Mia. And they're all kind of have this this very tentative reunion. And you're right. She's holding, holding both their hands, talking to my family. You know, that's a really big moment as well that I think is really touching for the series.
0: I think for me, one of the really sweet things is when Vince makes, Dom, his uh, baby's godfather, and then Dom says, "I got eyes on Nico now." <laughs> <laughs> it was cute. It's just like, and there's a care package that shows up. <laughs> See you soon, Uncle Dom. <laughs> so I, I wonder. I keep wondering when, when that that little boy is gonna show up, and maybe, you know, be under the hood of the car working alongside Uncle Dom.
1: Yeah, but now I mean, because yeah, because now we got Brian in the picture, the little baby, baby Brian.
0: Mm-hmm. But to have Fast and Furious, the new generation. Yeah, know, maybe the- in twenty
1: years they'll have all the kids.
0: <laughs> <laughs> also, Jesse dying—that's—I know they had to come up with a reason for Dom to run off and get mad, but that was that was upsetting. It's,
1: it's sad. I mean, because Jesse's just a. You know he's such a young kid. He just wants to do what's right. He just panicked, and then yeah, it's bad.
0: Mm-hmm. And then Giselle just sacrificed herself for Han, and wouldn't we all? But um, <laughs> <laughs> it seemed unnecessary. But for well, some-
1: like I told you, Gal had other things to do, so they wanted <laughs> to try to write her out with an epic death. She had to go play Wonder Woman, so uh, yeah.
0: But couldn't she do both? Couldn't she do both?
1: (laughs) Possibly, but I think by the time your cast as Wonder Woman, you're ready to move on for the Fast and Furious franchise.
0: I learned something yesterday, Chris. I learned. Yes, I learned about (laughs) the origins of Buster, Mm -hmm. and I thought you were just being clever and cute in your text (laughs) messages and like calling me Buster, like. Let me come up and see you sometime, Buster. And it turns out you are telegraphing something else. So, so, talk to us about the importance of Buster on the Fast word Furious. Buster. <laughs>
1: exactly. So, Buster. So, Tom calls whenever they run into each other and he first starts to get to know Brian, he calls him a Buster. And they all do, they, they refer to him as the Buster where Dom's car breaks down and Brian has to swoop in and pick him up. They go back to the house party and Vince is like, what's the, what's the buster doing here? And Dom goes, the buster was there for me. You know, none of you were, he picked me up, you know, so, but he uses that term all the way through the different movies. Whenever he's referring to Brian, He still calls him a buster in eight. Uh, there's a scene where he talks about, or he makes that street race in Havana. Um, there's a, a thing where he's, you know, got a bottle cap, not a bottle cap, but a pull tab onto the, the engine regulator. And so he's got it to a string. He said, the buster taught me this, you know, and so he's referring to Brian. And this is what we were talking about via text. So in order to understand the context of what a buster is, I'm going to let TLC handle this for me. So here we go. A
0: scrub. <laughs> so
1: a scrub. Or in the movie, I mean, the, the, the songs, uh, TLC scrubs, uh, also known as a buster. It's basically, you know, he says a scrub is a guy who thinks he's fly. It's somebody who thinks he's better than he is. But when people call them a buster, they're basically disrespecting him saying like, you're not all that you can't hang. Um, and so that's that term. And so that was why Dom called Brian a buster, because he's saying, you, you think you're better than you are. And I don't give you any respect. This is the streets. I'm Dom Toretto and you're a buster. And so he, he calls him that. That clip that I uh, used of Dom calling him a buster was from Fast and Furious, the fourth one, um, after they do their street race. And he kind of cheats a little and runs uh, Brian off the road. And Dom goes, still a buster.
0: But it's interesting to think about this you know, relationship between Dom and Brian and how it forms. So at what point do you think that Dom decides to let Brian in?
1: Well, it's, I think it's that that one scene, that scene where he rescues him. He picks him up. They end up uh, over in uh, the section where the the Koreans have their warehouse. Unfortunately, um, and then Brian sticks with Dom, and they end up back at the house. I think that was the moment where Dom actually started to respect Brian uh, and let him in. Now, uh, ultimately, that would be sort of his downfall because, as we know now, Brian was an undercover cop. But I think that. You know, basically the respect paid off at the end when he let him go, when he let Dom go. And there was a tenuous portion of that that kind of had them butting heads again in Fast and Furious. The fourth one, which I think is kind of what was made that movie really great, was them realizing that brohood that they had, um, you know, from the first movie could have a tenuous connection back together again uh, by by trust. And so, but I think that, that that's the real the pivotal moment in the first one is when Brian does rescue Dom and uh, save him from, you know, police and everything else.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree. That's a key moment, but I don't think Dom is that easily, you know, he, he wants to believe in people, but I don't think he's that quick to be like, okay, he did one good thing for me. So now he's in my in-crew. He definitely, he earned enough respect to get a free beer. And actually, right. he got Vince's beer, and
1: <laughs> and he could have any beer he wanted as long as it's a Corona. Let's not forget that. But that yeah, does,
0: that doesn't mean that he was ready right away. No, I don't think. For, I don't, for Brian, I agree. To like be with his sister and and have a seat at table.
1: I think that was the start. I think that was the one thing that started the ball rolling.
0: Let's talk about the romances in Fast and Furious. I know you're really excited about this, but as I was looking at my memories from all of the movies I had some I noticed some weird weirdness in the first movie especially with Dom and Letty's relationship it was very strange I mean on the one hand we had Letty going would you like a drink Dom and then Dom's like I got one already and
1: yeah, he just tosses it over his... He holds it over his head without looking at her. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so when I... I think when I saw this first movie, in, even, I was kind of like, ah, he doesn't seem to really like her that much. He's sort of tossing her under the bus. And then... He's and too then, cool uh, for school. <laughs> their, their relationship is very odd. So wh- what would you say if somebody was taking advice from Dom... About how to win a girl. What what do you think that Dom's advice would be to uh, to the masses?
1: You gotta pretend like you don't like them. <laughs> you gotta you gotta play it cool. You gotta be you know if you're gonna be the dominant one. Especially with, here's the thing. It is a weird relationship, but with somebody like Letty, who is a force of nature in her own right, like Dom has to exert some sort of dominance in a certain way, and some of that is by being you know a little bit cold. Um, like when he did when she was like, Do you, Dom, you want a drink? And he doesn't even look at her, he holds the can up, you know. But that's also, you got to understand, that's the the beginning of the movie where we haven't met Dom yet. And Dom doesn't turn around and show his face until Brian and Vincent get into the fight. So, you know, it's just setting Dom up to be this too cool for school guy, you know. It's really his reputation and stuff. Letty, his and Letty's relationship obviously blossoms. Uh, we get to see it in four, you know, but, uh, in the beginning, we get to see them really being a couple, and then of course, spoiler: Letty dies. Uh, dies. I put that in quotation mark. But yeah, that that relationship is is definitely different, but it's because of their two personalities. Like with Letty being so strong willed and having that kind of street rat mentality and everything. I mean, Mia tells the story of that too. Like, you know, Letty grew up on the street, and Dom um, knew her and didn't pay attention to her until she, you know, all of a sudden became a woman, and then he paid attention to her. You know. Um, he didn't have a choice because letty gets what she wants there's but it's,
0: a, it's a, there's a, a vibe for control sort of going on because letty is often put in this place where she feels like she has to mark her territory mm-hmm. around dom and and call out you know say it uh, talk about the skanks <laughs> are around him <laughs> but in all fairness when we saw it dom it was going out every time he would go out he would be looking the ladies up and down even though he's with Letty and it was good to see in later movies he sort of especially when he lost her then he decided to take it seriously and she wasn't wearing the most scantily clad outfit at that event when he came to uh, try to trigger her memories with a street race she was wearing jeans and a jacket and she was fully covered so she wasn't the most skanky skankly just (laughs) but his eyes were and his attention were fully on letty so that it was good that the the relationship matured but before that as i watched i watched movies i felt like this just doesn't play well anymore this is these are not the types of relationships that you see in films i think much anymore so it was just kind of interesting
1: It's, it's also i mean it's very you know it's part of the culture what they grew up in. It was a very street relationship, you know, they were, they were both tough and uh, they didn't let their guards down very often, except, you know, occasionally with each other. Uh, but you're right. I mean, and it's just one of those things too. Like Dom was supposed to be this too cool for school guy and then he goes out and he's racing and the girls love him and then Letty's like, huh, I don't think so. And so it just, you know, they had to do that because it's, it, why, why hire Michelle Rodriguez and not use her? You know, mm-hmm. that's just her.
0: And then Brian's strategy seems to be completely different. You know, he's just going to eat the tuna. <laughs> <laughs> he's going to hang around and eat a sandwich <clears throat> every day and not ask a girl out. So uh, I you know, that was also it's another strategy. He's playing the
1: long game. He's just playing the long game. He's waiting.
0: Mm-hmm. You got to
1: wait for that right moment and eat the tuna every day.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just it's interesting to kind of examine the what is you know what is each of these characters using as their guide to how they form relation relationships and their strategies and then you know han with giselle was again he's he's a much more smooth operator he's not trying to dominate <laughs> anybody but um he talked to her that was his strategy that was that yeah was...
1: he just treated her like an equal and talked to her <laughs> funny how that works <laughs>
0: Okay, so let's mm. talk about future hopes. Let's start with Nine before we go into the larger mm. series.
1: Okay. But
0: what are your hopes? What do you kind of hope is coming in Nine? We've seen the trailer. A
1: million times, times. <laughs> yes. and uh, The trailer is almost as long as the movie. <laughs> it shows so much from the trailer. I don't know what sort of prizes we're going to have in the movie. I, I, don't, I don't know what to expect. I mean, we've got John Cena. So this is the interesting thing that came around is like it, you're actually challenging Dom's Definition of family because John Cena plays his brother, his his, his uh, estranged brother, and so that'll be interesting. And uh, I'm not sure what to expect. I mean, we get to see more. Of, We've got a uh,
0: brother who's never been mentioned before.
1: <laughs> exactly right, right. All of a sudden, how many years later? Hey, Dom's got a brother, and he's kind of a you know jerk. So, uh, and I don't know his connection with Charlie's Theron with Cipher. Um, like I've postulated before to you, I think that Cypher was the mysterious leader of Etienne and uh, Hobbs and Shaw. So I think that's going to be a, a crossover into now bringing it back into the, the main Fast and Furious world. So we know that she's in the movie because we see her in her horrible haircut. Um, and so I think that she's tied together with John Cena. Uh, and they're going to, you know, obviously they're the main protagonists of the film. So what? What for? What purpose? I don't know. Is John Cena gonna be uh, cybernetically enhanced like Idris Elba was in Hobbs and Shaw, or who knows? I don't know. It's it's just a weird kind of tenuous thing. So, but it's things are getting nuts. I mean, just even seeing the stunts that you're trying to pull off for F9. Things
0: are getting nuts. Okay. Well,
1: things have been nuts, but things are going to get even more nuts in F9. I'm sure, especially. Uh, a vin surfing on that giant uh, armored car thing as it tears through whatever city they're in.
0: I just hope for a return to form from this lostness they showed in eight. And eight. Um, yeah. They need to maybe sort of adapt and evolve instead of continuing to escalate the craziness. Like craziness is cool. But you have to sort of, in each of the movies before, they sort of add another dimension. And so they were able to go a slightly different direction while still sticking with the themes of family. So I hope that they can do that in a way that feels, feels uh, organic. And I think, I, I am really interested in exploring this hidden brother relationship And one of the things I've been postulating from the beginning is is at the end are Dom and his brother going to play nice? Is it going to be a reunion or is it going to be, nope, John Cena is going to just be evil throughout and be irredeemable. So I feel confident there's going to be some brotherly love thrown in somehow. Maybe. Probably. Even the most irredeemable character, like like, um Shaw, you know, he's he killed Han, but yet we are entrusting our baby to him. So, I mean, obviously, Dom believes in second and third chances for people.
1: Well, it reinforces the whole family ideal. So probably last, like in F8 they did that as well with the brothers for, you know, him allowing Deckard to, uh, rescue Owen or, uh, you know, break Owen out of, uh, what did the black site, black ops site he was being held in. So it's probably gonna be the same theme. This is that Dom will try to reform his brother and eventually maybe they will be able to reconcile and, and both team up against Cypher. I don't know. I just, I don't know. This is, this is a wild card in the series.
0: So what about hopes for the series at large? I'm hoping oh. for the crew in space.
1: Yeah, so we got one, probably space. This is gonna be like Armageddon. It's <laughs> gonna be awesome. And two, we've got the Jurassic Park crossover. So uh which Universal says they want to do, whether they'll do it or not. I just I mean, how could you go wrong? It's fast cars and I, dinosaurs. See, I thought
0: that was a joke.
1: It's not. It's definitely a possibility because Jurassic Park and Fast and Furious are Universal's two biggest franchises. Combine them together, can you imagine? I mean, how much money they can make? It might be horrible. I doubt it because it has dinosaurs and fast cars in it. But um, it's totally ridiculous uh, to think about it. But still, it would be kind of fun.
0: If anybody's gonna battle dinosaurs, it's got to be Gina Carano. So we got we got to figure out a way to bring figure her. figure
1: out a way. Well, she died.
0: <laughs> <laughs> she died. That's sad. <laughs> oh, okay. <clears throat> I guess The Rock could maybe handle some dinosaurs. I
1: think The Rock could probably fight some dinosaurs. Yeah. I, the thing is, though, is The Rock on the F9 poster? Like, is he in F9? Because remember, he sure. he retired until they got pulled in from Hobbs and Shaw. He's Uh,
0: retired. They don't ever retire.
1: I know. Let me see. Fast and Fierce 9. This is great, by the way. I'm just searching right now. It has, uh, (laughs) it does not have, it doesn't list The Rock as part of the main cast.
0: Mm. Something in the contract.
1: I don't know. I mean, it's got (laughs) Mr. Nobody's back, but I don't see, um, yeah, I don't see The Rock. Uh, as part of the main cast what's interesting here they list paul walker as part of the cast I mean, that's gonna be interesting must be flashbacks that they've done
0: maybe he's maybe uh maybe he's holed up with vanessa kirby somewhere so um, yeah
1: maybe he's
0: no, not i don't available. see vanessa
1: vanessa kirby's not in this one unfortunately <laughs> but Charlize is back and jason statham and helen mirren of course and han is back how he survived we don't know but
0: so, yeah, and I did notice a new cast member, which I'm not sure how to feel about, but Cardi B is joining. Cardi B
1: now. is in it. Yeah, I just saw that, too. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about that, either. Well, I guess we'll find out. But then again, who knows? I mean, they have these cameo things in every single one. I mean, in what is it, six or seven? Seven, maybe? Yeah, where We're the are about Racing Ronda Wars? Rousey. <laughs> well, we have Rhonda. She shows up in seven, six. <laughs> I don't remember one of the seven. two movies seven, seven. when the, yeah so and Abu then Dabi. also uh iggy azalea is in number seven as well so you know it's just people pop up randomly and i also didn't realize that i mean and i should have realized this but little nobody is scott eastwood i completely forgot who that actor was clint eastwood's uh, sibling spawn
0: little little nobody little nobody was he an underused character who knows
1: Uh, i mean yeah he was the buster for the movie since we didn't have the original buster
0: yeah so is there anything else you want to talk about before we sign off because i feel like we've covered all the questions that i had
1: yeah i mean we've covered pretty much everything except you know obviously throughout our talks we haven't really given us uh like a a synopsis of each film but it's fine because you know you got to go and watch these there's no way we can do them all um we didn't talk much about the cars and that's okay uh because i don't want to get too gearheadish um for the for for this particular video but i think that we've covered i mean pretty much everything and we don't know Uh, just stay tuned so we'll have um obviously you can check out Lindsay's letterboxed review of f9 after we see it and then i'll be tweeting about it so um until we see f9 we hope that they don't drop the ball with the rest of the fast saga
0: okay so why don't you tell people how they can find you
1: you can find me in several places the most likely place if you want to contact me is on twitter at dice hate me uh, you can go to Dice Hate me.com or DiceHateMeGames.com, but Twitter is where you'll find me. And it is at Dice Hate me. I'm also on Instagram at Dice Hate me. I'm, a, I'm Dice Hate me on everything. So just search for Dice Hate me and you'll find you'll find me. I do the State of Games podcast, which is myself, T.C. the Third, and Daryl Louder. Um, sometimes we'll have guests, but we primarily talk about board games. And then I'm also on the Geek All-Stars with Dan Patrice, and that is a podcast also about board gaming, but we tend to, to dive into movies, uh, pop culture stuff, um, and just whatever we want to talk about, and I'm sure after I see F9, I'll be talking about it on there.
0: That's quite a bit of. It. Are you Dice Hate Me on Yelp too? No, I'm just kidding. Um, I'm
1: Dice Hate Me everywhere. <laughs> There's only one place that if somebody else took the, the Dice Hate Me name, and I'm known as the real Dice Hate Me on that site instead of Dice oh, Hate. Oh boy! Me. Yeah.
0: Gotta go after that guy. You know that's not cool. A little
1: lit- litigation. It's coming. <laughs>
0: all right well that is all for our show again i'm one of my stories you can find me of course on twitter at the number one of my stories number and one of my so thank you everybody and good night
1: i like the tuna here no one likes a tuna here